I don't give up. If there's a block, I'll go around it. I'll find a different way. I just go back and think. And I sometimes need breaks in between, but I believe in my ideas. You gotta pick yourself up, go backwards and slam yourself at the wall like 500 more times until the wall crumbles. 25% of middle school girls already believe they'll never achieve their dream career. Dream career. Hi, I'm Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint. Hint. And you're Hint. listening to Unstoppable, a podcast spotlighting the journeys of inspiring entrepreneurs. I believe that at its core, leadership is about constantly learning from the people around you. And I'm so inspired by the conversations we're having in our upcoming episodes and can't wait to share them with you. This season, some of my guests include Andrew Dudham, founder of Hims, Erica Nardini, CEO of Barstool Sports, Daniel Dubois and Whitney Tingle, co-founders of Sakara Life, and much, much more. Plus, we asked the million dollar question, what does it really take to be unstoppable? Unstoppable. Let's find out. Hi, everybody. It's Kara from Unstoppable, and we're so, so excited to have our next guest here, Leslie Blodgett. Hi, Leslie. Hey, Kara. Thanks for having me. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah on we're on... We're on Zoom right now, and uh, Leslie and I both live in Marin County, so she's not very far away, but we're in the uh, social distancing or wh whatever we call it along uh, this period of time, and so we decided to give a brief intro about Leslie in case you are hiding under a rock for a few years and not knowing who she is. So I've known Leslie for a long time, actually, back in my AOL days, and actually even before that with a little startup called Two Market, I met Leslie when she was the CEO of a company called Bear Essentials and the creator ultimately of Bear Minerals. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But she's been one of my favorite female entrepreneurs for many, many years and oh, CEOs and, and has done just so much that hopefully we'll get to talk about as well. But she finally came out with this amazing, amazing book, which I'm so excited to read. She's, a, she's in the pre-order phase right now. So we're going to talk about how we can all just get her book as soon as possible and, and see all of her great advice in there. But welcome. Welcome, Thanks. welcome, welcome. So in addition to doing the Bare Essentials and Bare Minerals, just a little bit about Leslie. I mean, she also serves on the board of advisors for another amazing female founded company called Spanx. And she's also on the board of directors for one of my favorite organization, which is run by Christy Turlington, Every Mother Counts, and also Stella and Dot. So all kinds of great with Jessica, great founders there. And really, Leslie's new book, Pretty Good Advice, is her next chapter, and I just can't even wait to hear more about it. So anyway, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks. Uh, yeah. So first of all, actually, I want to go back even further. So what year was this at Bear Essentials, I guess, was the, you know, way back when? I mean, that was what, 2000? Uh, the 90s. I mean, 19... Yeah, 1994. Yeah, 94 is when, uh, 95 is when launched the makeup, which is, is what changed everything. And 97 is when, it's really the beginning of the brand, because that's, that's when I went on QVC and that's changed the whole thing. Yeah, change, changed it completely. So you were, I'm, I'm just trying to remember, were you at Procter & Gamble? 
before? Um, I was there. See, I worked for Neutrogena, and it was acquired by Max Factor. Gosh, yeah, we're talking <laughs> about the A. Max Factor was acquired by P&G. So I moved to Hunt Valley, Maryland with Keith. And so that ended up working at Procter Gamble then. Oh, that's, that's wild. And so you come out to San Francisco mm -hmm. to take this role. Yeah. And as you said, you were, you guys were, I mean, I, th I think what I loved about you most was that you had sort of come from a classic, you know, sort of company of building something that was, you know, dependent on kind of offline, right? At offline retailers. And I remember just meeting with you at two market and then at AOL and you just like we're just open to sort of testing this new world where you know many people thought oh e-commerce isn't going to happen and so you you know started to do some testing there and then you know I know um, it's like you knew me back then I know it was it like was, you I'm like Kara she knows so much about what is this world that people are doing I'm just going to you know, listen to her. You're so <laughs> funny. And then I, I tell people about you all the time and I want you to tell the story, but then you went on to QVC and sort of like, how did that work? I mean, how did you know? I mean, they weren't really even doing beauty back then, right? I mean, no. And it was, I think the way I made all of my decisions and I do a lot of it now, it's just a lot of it is based on emotion, how I'm feeling, what's working and just listening. You do this too. Like, what is the right thing to do? And we had retail stores, a few of them, and we were selling bath and body product. We only made money in fourth quarter because it was a holiday business. So we'd make wow. these big gift baskets and you're just not going to sell enough lotion in March. Body Shop was our big competitor at the time. So it was, you know, I have a, my husband staying home, raising the kid and my salary and my what i what i'm making is supporting the entire family so it was stressful for not just me but for everyone working for us and there were about yeah. seven of us in the office so it was how often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well okay maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined too. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally 
first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. Literally just me up in the middle of the night, freaking out, sweating. I'm an anxious person anyway, but if you don't think you're going to make your numbers, you're going to go under. So I ended up watching television and I, my options were not good in 1996 at late at night at two in the morning. So when I saw QVC and I saw that it was live and I saw that these people were selling jewelry and they were talking to me and they were blabbing away and chit-chatting and I'm, oh, I can, I can get into this. So that was once I started watching them every night and I made my first purchase, I thought, Oh my gosh, I have this brand new 
makeup line and nobody's interested in it because it's so unusual. It's this innovative formula, loose minerals versus liquid foundation, which is what everyone is wearing. No one's totally buying into this idea. Yeah, yeah totally Amazing. different. And it's just, yeah. and it's, you know, the way you advertised back then was print ads, which I couldn't afford. And I wouldn't have known how to even synthesize it down to a one copy line because I'm, I ramble. So I, I had this idea, let me just apply it to QVC and if, see if I can get in. And this was in like December of 1996. I literally printed the application, hand filled it out and mailed it. And I got a call like five months later and the buyer said, come on in. I bought like a five carat fake Dominique ring because I wanted to look like I was already successful. It was there, it was from QVC. <laughs> awesome. so you, bought I, a, you bought a fake ring to actually Yeah, I bought a fake diamond to go to QVC and I'm flashing it around. Like she's, oh my God, she knows so what she's doing. <laughs> that's, that's so and then the buyer was having a good day. You know, she was in a good mood and she's like, ah, let's just give it a try. And the deal was like, if you, they would order the product and what didn't sell, they would return. And that's a scary idea because you're, you're making a lot of product for, to being on television. And what are you going to do with all those returns? I totally. That was totally risky. And I didn't tell anybody. I just didn't, you know, I was young. I didn't want to fail publicly if I didn't have to. Like, I still don't like failing publicly. I'd rather yeah. do that on my own time. And I, so I, we didn't have like social networks, so I couldn't promote it that way. I didn't, so I didn't even tell my mother I was going on air. But what I did was I showed up on a Saturday morning live on TV and I just was the person I've always been my whole life. And for six minutes, I talked to the host, I talked to the camera, never had media training. And somehow the regular person that I am, I'm not obviously a model, I'm not an actress, and usually beauty brands were being sold by very glamorous beautiful people. And I'm like your next door neighbor, like, but I'm an expert because I've been in beauty my whole life. So here I know what I'm talking about. So it was, it was six minutes sold out, life-changing that moment. I knew that I could talk about my product. And then what really happened was when I got back to the office after being in Pennsylvania and I got back to San Francisco, I got a phone call to our customer service department, which was the person in the cubicle sitting next to me. And the woman from Georgia wanted to know what nail polish I was wearing on air. And I'm like, oh my God, grab the phone, talk to this woman. And she told me that they were having conversations on the threads on QVC. And then I jumped on the threads that day and I stayed on for, I don't know, 10 years. And that first year was very interesting because I ended up getting to know about a thousand women by name because we were on four hours a night. We were in the chat rooms. And just like community building happens now, it was just getting to know real people and falling in love with each other and trusting that this, these are real relationships, even though it's business too. So there was a lot of blurring of lines between, are these my friends? Is this a business? So I was serving them while they were buying products, while I was calling them on the phone and they were calling, I was giving out my phone number. But it ended up from the very beginning, a very trusting place to build a business and having the support of people who were your friends. And that's how we, we built the company, even in our global markets as we started expanding. It was this respect for people that is the true story of how Bare Minerals became a global brand. That's amazing. And I read somewhere that in that, I don't know if it was 
the first six minutes or the first hour or that over a million, 1.4 million in, in sales? Is that? Well, that's actually, we sold only 90,000, but that in the first six minutes, but that was more than we sold in a week in a store. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah the 1 million happened in an hour about six months later, which is insane. I mean, it's totally insane. insane. Yeah. yeah. Were so, there any other makeup brands on at that time? Or who I think, big? yeah, there were, there were, I don't know the name, but they were mostly TV brands. Like, yeah. and we were, we were considered a TV brand then too, because most of the people knew us through television, but then we immediately started expanding into Sephora and Ulta. We did our own infomercial too. So TV brands weren't well respected back then yeah. because it's like, the slicer, dicer, infomercial type of thing. We were prestige. I mean, we were as good. They just had a bad reputation, television brands. So I had to make sure to make this pivot and the shift to show up in places. And I needed a visionary, a Sephora CEO at the time, who's still there, David Slatiano, who also lives in Marin. I could not get Sephora to even look at us because we were considered, you know, low end and yeah, but he, if you have someone else, they're getting phone calls. There's buzz about us. The industry hadn't recognized this yet. You need one person to understand what's happening. There's a shift happening from department stores and print media to online, and you just you just need to find other visionaries who were who are seeing the future, and that's what he did for me. Was he he brought us into Sephora with a very welcoming idea and it wasn't he wasn't skeptical about it so i think that as we're always on the verge of new innovations in distribution in service in communication you have to find those people who are not held back by their old beliefs so that's why i like to meet up with people like you are always you're on like an invention mode everything you do is ahead of the rest of your Super Bowl ad was like genius and how, so you're always, and you're, and what I love about you, Kara, is that you physically bring your product to the store. You're physically checking on it. People like us, there aren't that many who understand that you have to be close to what's happening and the people and the product. So I like to find those other people who are thinking 10 years out. Yeah, no, I think that that's totally true. Well, I love the fact that, I mean, you're just, I think there's two things that you said in there too that I definitely practice in just my life, my my business adventures, whatever you want to call it. But it's you know not really paying attention to the rules. I as I always you know share with people, I I actually probably know what the rules are, but I just don't pay attention to them. Mm -hmm. And then the second piece of it is that you know I I've known you for many many years, and I think even though you you know, we're running the company and leading the company, you're also still able to, you know, answer customer service questions, you know, if, if you needed to, that's not what you did every single day, but you could actually get on a hard call and talk people into being okay. Right. Like oh. I think you've, you've understood all different aspects. Of yeah. And it's so, it's so true. And Kara, yeah. it was never like a, a marketing strategy. So I don't have an MBA. So I, I go to Stanford and I've done lectures and classes and I don't, I never was educated in that way. How do you look at the analytics? For me, it was always, I follow the people who have interest and I learn from, and I never meant to be unconventional. 
I did know the rules because I, just like you, I worked for those companies. Mm -hmm. but I always thought that there was a disconnect because they never really knew the people who were using their products or who would have been interested in the products too. So I made 25 calls a week. I gave out my number. When employees came to work, they had to write a handwritten note to someone from our list, from our email list. I love so it. That they would feel that they knew, doesn't matter what department you're in, you have to know that this person is paying for your paycheck. You know, they're, they're actually responsive. That's why you're here. And if you don't realize that these are human beings, we had letters from customers all over our office. I had a whole wall outside my office of photos and pictures. And so everyone had to get extremely engaged with this is why we're here. And you have to love these people. And even if you're a guy in IT and you don't like to talk and not, and I'm not just saying people in IT don't like to talk to other people. I wasn't, I didn't even know that was my style or I didn't know I was capable of caring so much about people until this role. Yeah. I didn't even know. So it just brings out the best in you. I think when you're building a, a company that if you just have such gratitude, you, you make decisions from a purely beautiful place. Yeah, it's amazing. And then in 2006, you took the company public as well. Yes. And then- Oh yeah. Yeah, I'd love to, to talk about that at some point. And then the company was acquired for almost $2 billion, $1.8 billion, is that correct? So yeah. it's amazing. And then actually, did, didn't you come, you left, right? And then you came back as a, as a spokesperson? Or? Uh, no, I didn't leave. I stayed on for six years, so I never left. I, I left in 2016. Yeah, no, Shiseido purchased the company, or acquired it in... 2010 and I left in 2016. So they, you know, there was a language barrier in the beginning. And I always, I always think that's so interesting. We had translators with us at every meeting, but they have been around for over 150 years. So yeah. they have been serving women. And I felt that was important to be, be in partnership with an, a company that really valued the people that we were uh, serving too. So, I mean, the whole going public thing, People ask me, do I recommend it? I don't know if you have a choice <laughs> sometimes. For me, it wasn't my necessarily 100% decision. Yeah. You have a board, you have investors. And it was a definite learning experience, but I wouldn't say it brought the best out in me mm -hmm. because there were the things that I did my best, the things I were really good at were not, was not earnings calls and getting prepping for these people who were invested in you on a, on a public basis. I liked the front end of the business best. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. So, so let's talk about your book. Pretty good advice for people yeah. who dream big and work harder. Yay. So excited. So tell us kind of what, I, I mean, I can imagine probably you have so many stories and so many tidbits that you've learned along the way. I bet people were saying, when's the book coming out? Is that sort of what, you know, what they were thinking, yeah. you know, like other consumers pushing you to ultimately write this, which is so exciting. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, I'm a book reader and a book collector. I collect rare books. I just love the idea of, of people writing what's important to them and decide, you know, for people have to decide what they want to put in a book is a big deal. Sometimes that takes years. So I decided to do my format is not like a narrative story of my life, but just a little 
one page, 97 pages of different stories and ideas that I've collected over the years. And I felt like I needed to be old enough to do that. So I'm 57. I don't think at 30, I would be able to provide like enough reflection to give people, you know, some insights from my life. So, you know, I talk about my childhood. I believe that your childhood, like your dad, I mean, I love a healthy choice. He's a, He's the creator of that. I mean, of course, you could see you were raised around that. And I think that what you're raised around, whether good or bad, shapes you into what you become, what you make of yourself. So, of course, there are childhood stories. And I had so much fun writing it. But there are the story about QVC. I have it's called Trust the River in the book. And it's just about trusting the flow and the waves and where, where it's taking you. And sometimes don't overthink it. So, that was a, a big learning for me. And I wanted to share that. And then I have the fun stuff, like uh, three ways that you can look older than you are. I mean, I think people are very focused on how to look young. I want people to know what can make them look old, which is another way of saying, look, you know, if you want to look young, do this. Yeah. <laughs> In so other words, I'm having fun with this book. <laughs> make you look older. Now that we're on the topic. So. Well, I just, it basically comes down to if you are a bitter person and you are just nasty and mean, you are going to look old because you're going to, that's going to be on your face. And people who, who smile and just can find a little bit of joy in their day are automatically going, people are going to be, that's a compelling personality that you, that is youthful and rejuvenating. And, you know, the, the basic tactical one is wear sunscreen. And, you know, you and I are on the mountain all the time. That's where we keep running into each other in Marin. And, you know, you wear a hat, we wear sunscreen and that's, you know, People, so people important. Know. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So I, I totally agree. So you also, number 16, that count your lucky pennies. Love that one. Can you tell us a yes. little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so, and th that was a good example of how do you frame yourself and in your life. And I, I am the luckiest person on the planet. I've won so many raffles. I've won money. I've won furniture. I've won clothes. Every time I enter a raffle, I win. In fact, I was at a fortune conference a bunch of years ago and they had 500 people, first timers at the, at the conference, fill out the raffle. And I told them, I said, listen, I can't because if I do, I'm going to win. And I want to give somebody else a chance. I just, and they said, no, no, because they want your email address. So I did it. And sure enough, I won. So, and the reason is because I believe, I know this sounds hokey, but my dad told me I was a very lucky person when I was five years old because I was finding lucky pennies in the street and he would call me eagle eye and he said, you're lucky. So I always believed it. And even when crappy stuff has happened to me, other people might call it crappy. I always looked at it as it, it was lucky that that happened because it could have been worse if it's bad. So it's just, a, it's my perspective. And I always felt like if you tell your kids they're lucky or they're good at something, they believe it and they will take that with them for the rest of their life. I know people who think they have bad luck and I think that's just baloney. I don't want to curse on your podcast, so I won't use bad that's words, okay. but <laughs> I don't mind. I just think you're, it's you're a, if you believe, you're, obviously the point here is if you believe it, you will be it. And that's the whole thing with luck and why I keep winning. The universe is telling me you believed it long enough. You deserve this. So what was the craziest contest you ever won? I won $1,000 from a People right. magazine thing where you just had to send in who you thought was going to win the Oscars or mm -hmm. whatever. And I don't think I picked all the winners, but I just got chosen 
out of you know, like the hat in the can situation. So thousand dollars, that's a lot of money. That's a yeah. lot. You yeah. know, what was my craziest, my craziest what? contest. I won a bubble yum, bubble blowing contest when I was probably seven years old. And it was in Phoenix, Arizona. I grew up in Phoenix, Scottsdale area. And it was at the local mall. And I believed, I dragged my, my mom to the mall. And I so believed that I was going to win the bubble yum, bubble blowing contest. They used to have these bubble blowing contests. I remember I was practicing and practicing. And then I had to run to the restroom to get sick because I had so much sugar. Oh and from like, I had no idea that this would happen to me. But I was like, no, I am going to do this. Like, I'm going to do it. And I won. I like, I mean. So how big was your bubble? It was, um, I mean, I had so much. And I was a pretty tiny person with like a small mouth. And, and <laughs> I don't even know how I got this much gum in my mouth. I had like this. I mean, I had so much gum in my mouth and I, I don't know. I mean, it was close to, I think it was over. I wish I knew exactly. I should look up and see if I'm sure today it would be on, you know, on the internet, right? Yeah. It'd be, but I bet back then way long ago, they, they weren't doing this, but I don't know. It was, it was probably four feet. I mean, it was, it was <gasps> like, no, I mean, it was serious. Like it was, it was pretty crazy. It was pretty nuts. So, well, listen, I think the reason you probably subliminally have hint waters because all that sugar made you so sick. You yeah. thought to yourself, I am never putting sugar in anything. Yeah. No, it was, it That's was probably, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. But I mean, I remember I had to sit around all day and like, and then at the end of the day, like I liked the original bubble yum and <laughs> then they ran out of the original flavor and then they like substituted in grape. And I was like, ah, oh, really? And so, you know, I, added a little bit of grape to it. And anyway, it was just, it was insane. But just going back to your, like, that's just an example of if you don't try, you're not going to win. And I kept saying to my mom, like, no, I, I've been like practicing. And she's like, there's plenty of kids that have been practicing. And I was so serious about you it. Believed it. And I won and I won. I think I, I don't know. It was like pretty big. I, it was like a couple hundred dollars and wow. you know, seven year old. And I was on the platform like I just won the Olympics. I mean, it was like a whole thing. And I was so sick though afterwards because I was like in sugar shock for five hours and my whole face hurt. Anyway, that was my craziest contest story. But Oh my God. But it goes back to, you know, you got to try. And I think you're just a great example of, you know, somebody that's just, you know, you're not afraid to try the crazy, right? And, you know, I think it's, there aren't very many people I know who have, you know, done a bubble yum, bubble blowing contest. There aren't very, very many people who have done what you've done. I mean, I think like I look back on the QVC example and, you know, I talk about it all the time. Like, how did you, you know, have the guts? How did you have the know-how? Like, however you want to frame it, I think it's just, it really speaks to your ability to just kind of go against the status quo and just go try, right? You didn't know if it was going to work or not. Well and I think you're bringing up a good point because there's another section of the book that I want to tell you about. And it's called Get Desperate. And I think that's what happens when some people, when they're desperate, they you know, go to bed and put the covers over their head. And some people, it supercharges them. And I think 
that the QVC thing was for me, oh, I can't sit around. I got to do something. And that was it. So, and then when I was looking for my first job in the beauty industry, I couldn't get into FIT because I didn't have any beauty industry experience. And it, I was applying to the beauty program mm -hmm. and no cosmetic counter was going to hire me because I didn't have beauty industry experience. And I'm like, who's going to give me a break here? And I got the job at Bloomingdale's because I literally was so desperate that I would go every morning to their office and stood outside their door and they had to bump into me. It was a really narrow hallway and there was no way that they could get to work without brushing their shoulder against mine. And after a week, they basically said, okay, you are so annoying. We're going to give you a job. And it was because I, I was sleeping on couches and I didn't have any money. <laughs> and um, So it's like, you do it. It's like you figure it out and, you blow a bubble, you blow a bubble, you stand in a hallway. And I, and I realized that for me, like, I guess the best thing I ever won was a warm-up suit in gymnastics camp. And it was basically, you had to clean up the gym, everyone. And, and if you found a piece of paper that said warm-up suit, you'd win the warm-up. And everyone was gone like for hours and I was cleaning the entire gym. It took me all day because it's, they're huge. It's a yeah. gym. It's an Olympic sized gym. And I found the paper and it wasn't that I was really lucky. It's I spent the whole day cleaning the gym. So it's, you want something, you get it. And it's not necessarily hard if there's other motives behind it. I love, <laughs> you know? it. I love it. It's, it's so great. So, and I was seeing on your Facebook, actually, the... Uh, oh, we went to India. Yeah. So I've been on that board for, I don't know, five years, maybe. And Christy is so inspiring. She created this organization because she had a really difficult home birth. And she just thought, if I'm having trouble, what about those people who are not as privileged? How, how are they managing difficulties in childbirth? So we grant different countries and programs here in the US too, every mother counts. And there's basically, we raise money through running programs. And yeah, it, it was, wild what we saw in India. And now every, obviously their country's closed down too. So we were able to get in there right before the pandemic hit as well. That's amazing. How do you get the word out when, when you go over to these countries? Like what is the sort of the, you know, the PR engine? I mean, what is sort of the first step of, of kind of letting people know that you're there? Well, it was, it was a, a trip to actually meet with the people on the ground who were helping others. So it wasn't really a PR trip. You're making a good point. So the reason that we went with a group of about 18 people, and then our job when we come back is to tell the stories, what we saw. So we're not bringing the press with us. It's more about us learning, the, some of us from the board and people on a founders committee. So we're all very engaged with the organization. And the more we learn, about the work that we're doing when we come back and we share those stories. That's the best way to get the word out, to make it authentic. That's awesome. I love that you're on a nonprofit board too, in addition to Spanx, and, which is another amazing female founded company. I'd love to meet her at some point. She's always- You haven't been, met her? Uh -uh, I never oh. have. And I talk about her all the time. And I'm not even sure if I have all of her stories straight, but I, I always use her as, an, as a great example. Actually. I have this one story and I feel like I read it somewhere, but I've always wanted to confirm whether or not it's true that I always tell people when she went out to raise money that she was pitching to a lot of men and talking to them about wearing pantyhose and how people don't wear, men don't wear, not a lot of men wear pantyhose, maybe some of them do, but, but so 
then it was harder for her to raise money from them. And just like, you know, same thing for Hint. I mean, when we were going out to Sand Hill Road and, you know, Silicon Valley, and although a lot of them were drinking Hint, when I would talk to them about my diet Coke addiction and, you know, the challenges, they just didn't really understand because not a lot of men, you know, really drink diet soda. I mean, there are some men that drink it, but it was, you know, clearly mm -hmm. the majority of consumers for diet soda are women. And so very similarly, I always, you know, tell people that the moral of that story is that if you're going to raise money, then make sure that you understand your audience and make sure that yeah. they really understand that they can be helpful. Because I really am a huge believer that you're not going to be able to raise money from people that don't believe that they can help you. Right. And yeah. And yeah. And I had that situation too. I mean, Sarah, I think that story was about selling her product into department stores because she's never raised money. She's hundred percent backed. Okay. Yeah, she's never, <laughs> but she has had those stories to tell through, I think, selling to wholesale. And for me going public and selling investors on makeup, and why it's important that women feel good about their skin. They're all rolling their eyes. But you know, basically go home and talk to a female in your house. You'll understand the, the power of self-confidence through makeup. But it's the same thing. It's like you have, to, you have to appeal on a different level. Yeah, totally. And how many of them actually go home and talk to you know, yeah. a woman in the house or whatever? So, but I love the fact that that didn't stop you, right? And that, that you still figured out how do I go and get this done? And, you know, people always ask me as a female founded company, was it easier or was it more difficult to raise money? And, and because you're a woman and I'm like, probably, but I've never been a man. So I don't really know. Like raising money as a whole, as an entrepreneur at any stage is just hard. I mean, it's, it's tough. Right. And I think that it's, you know, you've got to have the tenacity and, you know, really stay undaunted and just keep going, right? And figure if you really, really have the vision that you're gonna go and make this thing work. So so anyway, that's a lot of what I talk about in my book that's coming out in the fall, but I, you know, I'm just, uh, yeah, she's definitely somebody that I would love to meet along the way, but. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. But, so what do you think are probably the proudest moments in your journey so far? Wow. I think that they're all related to the people that uh, worked at the company while I was running it that had such pride in their work mm -hmm. and them see we're selling makeup. So it's tough thing for some people to get their head around. It seems superficial, but it's not. So getting people to join in the category of beauty when they're, from another industry and then believing what they're doing is a good thing for the world. It all has to do with relationships and people. Yeah. That's my pride is the connection, the friendships that other people have made through the brand, lifelong friendships. The fact that we were able to take bus tours and cruises and events and weekends. And Didn't you rent Lady Gaga's like bus or? Yes, <laughs> we did. And I've done, th I've done three bus tours in my life and we'd be on the road for two weeks and we'd stop off at Hooters and TGI Fridays along the way to on our way to stores and I love it and parties everywhere so it was yeah it, for it. me it was just having meeting new people 
seeing them smile. And I, I know that just sounds silly too, but just all those little bright spots. You know, here we are, April, what is this, 9th? And this is, our life is changing right before us. And we wake up, and what is this day going to look like? How long are we going to be here? And that's why I believe in those little pockets of optimism every day. And I, that's how I looked at my career. I mean, if I could just provide some, a little bit of a high once in a while, this is a big test right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think industries are changing as a whole. And I think companies like you that have, uh, you know, maybe started in stores, but got into TV as well as online, you know, are, are really, I think that's a huge conversation that you'll absolutely, you know, be a part of, and you'll be able to sort of weather the storm, so to speak. And then I also think health. I think health is such a huge thing. I mean, I know for, you know, put bare essentials and bare minerals into this as well, but I feel like people are more and more, whether you're putting something on yourself or putting stuff in your body, you know, gone are the days where you're going to be, you know, sitting there eating Cheetos, as I say, as an example, after a while, you know, it just, you're going to start to realize how much, you know, your health is important. I've been talking about this for 15 years since I started Hint, but never have I heard people say so much and lots of different types of people that, you know, stay well, stay healthy. I mean, that's- Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. And I think it's so important. And I think when this is, you know, when we get back to normal, I think people are going to be like, I got to stay healthy. How do I do that? Like I've been hiking a little bit more, getting outside to get my exercise, but I've also been eating right. I'm taking, you know, if you take vitamins and taking the right vitamins, whatever. But I think that people are really, really focused on that and it will not go away in case we have to deal with this again. And I just really believe it. Yeah. And you know, for me, stress mode, I go straight to junk food and emotional eating. And I gave myself two weeks and I'm just back to being healthy again, but I know my routine when I'm anxious. So I'm eating chips and it's horrible feeling, but I know that I give myself a certain amount of time that I turn the corner, but I have my hint water in my fridge. And when, when we were allowed to have people over, that would be the the first thing I would do is when people join. Yeah. I wish I could, I wish I could give you one. I'd offer it to you right now. (laughs) Mm. So great. So this is, what's your favorite flavor? I would have to say the strawberry kiwi. Yeah, that's it. I love strawberry kiwi too. It's so, it's so, so good. So Leslie, what makes you unstoppable? You've, you've talked a little bit about this, but I always ask our guests. I mean, let me. Yeah. In a couple of words, what do you think it is? Yeah, I think I don't give up. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I just always find, if I if there's a block, I'll go around it. I'll find a different way. I just go back and think. And I sometimes need breaks in between, but the ideas, I believe in my ideas. So I, love I just keep trying. So pretty good advice. Where's the best place for people to buy it? I think the only place right now is online and Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Target, all three of them are doing a great job for, you know, for the book. It's a cute, it's a, it's a great book. I think it's somewhat uplifting and it better be uplifting. I mean, but I my mother, it. my mother said she laughed and she st- doesn't have a sense of humor. So I think <laughs> if she's laughing, we're okay. If your mom likes it, 
I mean, that's that's all you need. Yeah, she's not the doting mom, so this is a big deal. So there's a section about her in the book. She is she was very strict growing up. So the fact that she gave me a thumbs up is positive. <laughs> awesome. Well, my mail has been delayed, so I know I have a copy that, that is arriving at the office. So I'm I'm very very excited to to read it and very really really excited about it actually so very very great so and i can't wait for your book september thank, yeah no i'm really i'm really excited i think actually bare essentials i think is in there actually as talking about brands that you know oh, back wow. in the early days and who was doing things really right and you know other brands like omaha steaks and one oh yeah and yeah and all the all the oldies right it's super exciting so yeah, so I'm, I'm very, very excited to share it with you when that comes out. It's coming out in October, early October. So, oh, great. Very, very cool. And Leslie's super active on social as well, especially on Twitter. She's my Twitter buddy. So, would you say that's your biggest platform? I think I have more followers on Facebook, but I just came back to Facebook. I probably post most on Instagram, but it's all, it's, you know, I'm now back to being more public. I've been very private. So, yeah. Join me. I'd love to meet you on yes, social. Leslie Blodgett. <laughs> yeah, that's my name. Yeah. Awesome. That's so great. So, well, thank you so much, Leslie, for taking this time. And everybody go out and buy pretty good advice. Oh, thank you so Very much. Excited. It's been such a pleasure to be on your podcast. I appreciate it so much. Perfect. Hope to see you soon live. Be on the mountain. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. If you like what you heard, please help spread the word and leave us a review. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Please talk to me at Kara Golden on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, be unstoppable. unstoppable.